0: Issues that matter to you. expanded on the KRMG Morning
1: News 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour. We
0: will hear from several major Tulsa area school districts over the course of the next hour. And we begin by welcoming Tulsa School Superintendent Dr. Deborah Gist back to the KRMG studios. Hi, Hi. Dr. Gist. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you? Have a seat. Thank you.
0: Security hold you up there? Do we have to do a background <laughs> check on you? Or?
2: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. We, Everybody we has to have a, a badge. <clears throat> well, I didn't, so, oh. you know, I had to go through a series of steps.
0: You, well, you know what? That's one of the things we're going to talk about is, is school security. Security's but first important. I know that you hit as many campuses as you possibly could on Wednesday, the opening day I for did. TPS. How did go? What'd you, what'd it go? What did you see? It was
2: amazing. I Well, I started at the bus barns first thing in the morning, as you know, because we chatted when I was mm-hmm. Arriving there, and uh, and then we did so we did uh, met with our bus drivers, went to our facilities, our warehouse, our mechanics and maintenance, and then we went to our bakery because yeah. uh, they're getting the bread ready for the day and uh, and then headed out to the schools and did uh, I went to thirteen schools. You know
0: that, that it was uh, wonderful. You know, I'm a foodie, so we' got we gotta start there because yeah. when you were there at the uh, the bakery, You posted that there are big changes coming to the culinary program in the Tulsa Public Schools. Can you share any of that with us?
2: There are. So we have a new contract in place, and there will be a lot of changes. We
0: a new vendor, Sodexo. It's actually
2: the same vendor. Okay. But uh, but we did a new competition and it's a new uh-huh. contract. And okay. we have, they understand that we have very, very high expectations. And, um, and so I think, you know, that one of the things I would summarize about it is that the big part of it is student voice. So I have a student cabinet and my student cabinet last year weighed in on this significantly. These are high school students. And then we also did, um, you know, the taste tests and, and focus groups with students and so forth. But what's different this time is that instead of that, being a an annual kind of a conversation this is going to be ongoing Hmm. so student feedback uh, will be a big part
0: so what were they asking for more like fast food accessible kind of mainstream choices or were they asking for hey we want more fresh things more salad bars more stuff like that all of those
2: things so they want choice they want better quality and they and it's also about um delivery and presentation and so in our high schools, for example, there will be more of a, um, almost like a food court kind of a feel. Um, students want more grab-and-go choices so that they can. Um, there are busy and a lot of times they're running off to meet with a teacher or do something they can't go through a line and sit and eat with a tray. They need to be able to take something grab a sandwich or or a wrap or a burrito or something like that and, and be off and running. And they also, they do want more f- uh, fresh options and they want the kind of fruits and vegetables that they that they like and so we're going to keep getting that feedback from them.
0: To leave it to me to start with the food. <laughs> I'm wondering, though, there's so many serious issues but let's talk about the food first.
3: Well there's a couple of things there. First of all how much can you take that advice, because you still have to make those decisions, and how much does does the student weigh? And secondly, I'm an Nathan Hale kid, and I had a message yesterday that for the first time in X number of years, they're going to be able to go off campus for lunch. Is that true?
2: They are. So Hale is one of the four schools that are part of Tulsa Beyond, which was um, a project that has been, it's been, it is a project that's been two years in the making. So the Past year, each of the four schools who are in Tulsa Beyond, which are um, Hale, Webster, Tulsa Learning Academy, and McLean, have had a design team uh, made up of students and teachers and uh, parents and community leaders, and they have completely reimagined what school looks like. Hmm. And, um, you know, what we know about school today, our high schools in particular, is that they were really designed by. A group of guys that sat in a room more than 100 years ago and imagined this concept of English and. And math and science and all these things being separate. We and really haven't updated the model science. in a century. We have not absolutely not. Even though, you know, it really hasn't worked for a long time for huge numbers of students. Yeah. And we know that the world has changed. The way we learn has changed. The way we work has changed, and it's changing rapidly even more. Um, and so, uh, while it's not a big part of the concept, one of the things that the students really felt strongly about is the as flexibility. And we, you know, we sort of confined. Kids to school buildings these yeah. days, and then the minute they graduate, they have like all the freedom in the world. And and when school's out, they have all the freedom in the world. But during the day, we're very very restrictive of them, and it comes across as a, a lack of trust. Um, they don't have chances to make mistakes and get better and learn and and be responsible. And so part of that is giving them the ability to um, to leave during the day and, 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 you know, get something to eat and come back. Um, but it's not going to just be like an automatic free-for-all. There are some <laughs> steps that the school is putting in place to test it out and have children, you know, earning and, and keeping that responsibility.
0: All right. Let's uh, drill down on some of the, uh, the the core issues here that we've been talking about now for, for years. Uh, first of all, this is the first start of the school year that I can remember where I don't hear a bunch of superintendents going, hey, we've still got the Help Wanted sign out here. We have plenty of vacancies. This is a crisis. It doesn't seem to be that way this year.
2: Well, it it is. It still is. <laughs> it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I certainly...
0: How many vacancies do you have right now?
2: We, we only... We have... Primarily vacancies in special education, and right now we have we have pulled people from our district office, as has been our practice since I've been superintendent. For any vacancies that we have, in fact, in fact I was you supposed to teach in kindergarten. In yeah, right. Well, I was I taught a couple of years ago third grade, and then this year I was going to teach kindergarten um, at Hoover Elementary, but the uh, they found a teacher, which is great. That's okay. what we want. Um, but
0: it is down. The va- number of vacancies is down, right?
2: Um, or not? You know, we still have statewide, there are 600 teaching vacancies statewide, I think it's like 596 vacancies statewide, Um, but there's still a shortage, Um, and we're also continuing to issue thousands of emergency certifications in the state, so I think it's really, really important for Oklahomans to know that we have a very, very serious teaching shortage in our state, and while we're grateful that we have stopped the pattern of of really massive cuts to education. You know, we cut more per pupil to education from 2008 to 2018 than any other state in the country by a very significant margin. And we have not recovered from that. We are not close to the per pupil levels that we were spending per kid in 2008, and everything is more expensive now as well. So it's it's really um and we have more kids in our state than we had then and so we really um have still a lot of work to do
0: you're uh, listening to a special 8 a.m in-depth hour edition of the krmg morning news with dan potter our in-studio guest is dr deborah Gist, superintendent of the tulsa public schools um you have completed in the, the tulsa public schools several bond projects can you give us an update on those
2: Absolutely. We are incredibly grateful to Tulsans for consistently supporting um, the bonds that come out to them for a vote. And um, these are so important because they allow us to, first of all, keep our buildings um, safe and healthy. And so it's everything from every summer we're updating heating and air conditioning. We're um, updating, you know, windows and, and um That kind of just regular maintenance sort of work, renovations and things like that, updating fixtures and um, that type of thing. But it also allows us when we do um, uh, some of our bigger renovations or when we do an expansion on a school, we add um, the FEMA safe spaces. And so we have those in about half of our schools right now and continuing to grow those all the time.
0: Those are tornado shelters, mm-hmm, right. essentially. Um, we were reading this morning about a school that's in Michigan. Michigan, a $49 million school
3: with specifically designed to cut down on, on shootings. Mm-hmm. Things like pla- um, impenetrable plastic stuff in the glass. Things like hallways that are curved so no line of sight. Um, some security doors that others don't have. As
0: you make those renovations in campuses in Tulsa... What kind of consideration is given to the school shootings that we've we've seen and security?
2: Well, we have a number of things that we've done to keep our students and staff safe. And one of those is the um, what we call enhanced secure entrances. And so we are putting those on all of our schools. All of our schools have secure entrances right now, but um, but the old way of doing it was that you, you know, would be buzzed into the building, and then you were in the building. And now you're buzzed in, and you're in the office, but you don't have access to the rest of the building mm-hmm. until... Until you're buzzed into the rest of the building, until you're and further it, cleared, right? But I think more importantly, I mean, what we know from from um, security and law enforcement professionals is that the most important thing we can do to keep kids and staff safe is prevention. And um, so we have see here share, which is our hotline for these kinds of um, concerns. And what we encourage teachers and students and parents to know is that on a twenty four seven basis, we have uh, they have access. To someone they can talk to hmm. and they should call us if they have any concern if they hear anything that gives them even a little bit of pause or stop to say that doesn't sound right that causes me concern we want them to call us and tell us and we will look into it and and if we find out it was nothing then that's the best news possible and if not then and you know if something is a problem then then they've Potentially saved lives.
0: See, hear, share. Yes, and it's the kind phone of number your own version of, of mm-hmm. if you see something, say something. Right, exactly. What's the number?
2: It's nine one eight four eight zero safe. And I remember it because I think four eight, so you're going to be doubly safe. So four eight hmm. zero safe.
3: And by the way, that very thing just helped stop possibly a problem in Uliga.
0: Where there was an arrest on
2: First day of school.
3: Yeah, very first day, yeah.
0: All right, 918-480-SAFE. 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's
4: News and Talk, where we tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour.
0: Good morning, 819. The Union Public Schools celebrating 100 years as a school district. AMG Managing, Managing Editor Rick Corey met with Union Superintendent Dr. Kirk Hartzler at the exact spot where it all started. That spot is now the Union 6th and 7th grade center near 61st and Mingo.
3: Most people just don't think of this district having that kind of history. Were you aware of it when you came here?
4: You know, I wasn't. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, when I arrived here in, in the mid-80s, 34 years ago, this very site was was where I actually coached. I coached football here, and I taught at the high school and seeing the original building and thinking about, wow, it was was still relatively small then in 1980, 85, 86. Had no idea of, of our history and the fact that, you know, in 1919, four farming communities really came together and said, we can create this place called Union. And, and here we are today, 100 years later.
3: You know, I've talked many times about the legislature's money. What is it meaning for Union right now?
4: Well, we're in a good place in Oklahoma. I think we have a governor and Governor Stitt that uh, values uh, public education and understands that uh, more than 90% of our 700,000 students that we have uh, in Oklahoma attend a public school. And uh, I just want to thank our legislators um, in the last two years for for this historic Uh, increase or infusement of funding that they've provided You know, Rick, we're also still dealing with a a very serious teacher shortage, and that's not something that can just be solved with money. We're going to have to convince young people to get into, first of all, the educational programs throughout our regional and comprehensive universities in this state, and then hopefully they'll stay with us. That's the biggest challenge. Unfortunately, teaching is not easy, and you've got to really want to do this uh, long term. And so what happens, uh, unfortunately, is a lot of teachers get into the field of education, recognize really how difficult it is, and then they get out. That's an area of concern that we're really gonna have to pay attention to.
3: When you talk about education in Oklahoma, it seems every topic has been discussed. Is there a topic we're not talking about you think needs more attention?
4: Yes, I do. Uh, The one thing that we are doubling down on right now, besides just the basic educational things of math and literacy, has to do with the mental health of our students. We're in year two of our five-year strategic plan, and that is one of the core components of of our new learning model at Union, and that is what we call a social-emotional learning uh, of our kids. And really what that's about is it's about making sure that they are developing in terms of their self-regulation and knowing how they handle their own dispositions, their own emotions, perhaps when they're faced with difficulties or uh, perhaps they're in a a conversation with someone and, and, you know, they don't agree with the position either politically or religiously that someone's making. Um, I think our world right now probably needs a little bit more of that than ever before. We've got to learn to get along. You know, despite our political stripes, we've got to figure this out together. And unfortunately, you know, what I see happening in our country is that we're getting more politically divided. And, and, and that's not going to bode well for us. So we're doing our part as a public institution. You know, I'm of the, of the old belief that our founding fathers used to say that public education wasn't designed to simply serve the public. It was designed to create it. And I don't know about other folks, but I wanna create uh, you know, a body of learners that fully understand their role in our democratic society. And that is that even though we can have differences of opinion, we still have to all get along despite our deepest differences.
3: Finally, because we are standing where it started a hundred years ago, if you brought back the very first group of farmers and principals and educators from a hundred years ago, and you stood them here today, what do you think they'd be most surprised about?
4: <laughs> well, I think the growth, first of all. I mean, our first uh, graduating class consisted of three students, and this last May we graduated 1,287 students, so probably just the difference in size. But but I think they would just be all, I think they would be very proud of really how courageous we are with our 100% graduation goal. And that's the one thing that I shared with our employees recently at kickoff is that Um, We've got to continue to be bold, and we've got to continue to be uh, what we, we framed it as. We've got to have this uncommon vision for all of our kids, regardless of their demographics, regardless of their zip codes. We have to believe in the potential of all of them and expect the fact that they're going to graduate and be college and career ready on the day that they walk across that stage.
0: Union Public Schools Superintendent Dr. Kirk Hartzler speaking with Rick Corey there at 61st and Mingo, where 100 years ago, the Union Public Schools were born.
1: KRMG goes
5: in-depth.
0: KRMG's Russell Mills.
5: I sat down with Superintendent Dr. Janet Dunlop to discuss Broken Arrow's current offerings and its plans for the future. The
6: whole conversation. Conversation revolved around let's not just build another high school to build another high school because that's the same thing we've always done. How can we make this experience something different that really does provide such a bright future for our students?
5: They've created a new program that moves dozens of students to the campus of Northeastern University. The
6: overall plan was to create all these different pockets of learning opportunities for our students to where they're not necessarily on the Broken Arrow High School campus. They're learning in a different way.
5: Here's how it works.
6: We currently have 150 uh, freshmen and sophomores who are going to school at Northeastern State University all day long. They're taking pre-college classes to prep them to then transition their junior and senior year into full college classes. They have the potential of graduating from high school concurrently with an associate's degree in college at little to no cost to the parents at all.
5: And it helps free up space at the high school. And so does their Trade Pathways program. Now that involves paid apprenticeships with local companies ranging from plumbing to aerospace. it kicked it off last year, and it immediately took off.
6: We were going to focus on this industry the first and this industry, but quite frankly, our community has been so excited about this that they're coming out of everywhere wanting to partner.
5: Those students spend as much as half the day off campus. But of course, keeping kids in school is also a goal. BA has a couple of new incentives. For example... We have the first
6: ever in the state of Oklahoma all-girls wrestling team. They're pretty common in Texas, but we're the first school to step out there and do it. And what's crazy is right off the bat, bat, we've got 55 girls who've come out for wrestling.
5: Then there's the new eSports program.
6: It's actually pretty popular, and more and more high schools are are creating eSports teams. So we have created one, and uh, we were learning a lot from some of our local colleges that have eSports. It's one of the largest growing and largest sporting Um, events and fan bases in the nation. It's huge.
5: And students who get a chance to play video games competitively, she told me, rarely miss school. The overall approach at Broken Arrow is to tailor the educational path of each student individually so that they get what they need to succeed in life, but also what they want from their high school experience. Russell Mills 1023 KRMG Tulsa's news and talk.
0: Now we had a couple of open mics mocking the whole esports concept earlier this morning. Uh, Tulsa Public Schools Superintendent Dr. Deborah Gist in the studio with us. Does the TPS have esports teams?
2: We we do have esports and it is a growing area. And and I, you know, I understand the mocking because it's it's such a different way to think about sports um but it is very competitive and it's you know it's just growing worldwide um we we were talking about swimming before you know uh, during one of the breaks and and um and that's a a sport that you know kind of saw a decline but we're really hoping to to get back we have an awesome swim team at booker t they're very competitive and Mm. and memorials swimming program is growing and growing um and at our at Monroe Demonstration Academy, which is our um, – it's relaunched. It's not a new school, but it's relaunched as the comprehensive middle school for the McLean neighborhood. We have a swimming pool there, and we'll be having swimming programs there at, at Monroe. So we want to grow our traditional uh, sports programs as well.
3: Can I ask you – know, we talked about the money a little bit. I'm to go back just to that for a second. Has that helped recruitment at all?
2: Which part?
3: Teacher the, the pay? The teacher raises and pay
2: has what helped recruitment? the
3: actual money and, and some raises and the pay there has that helped recruitment of teachers at all?
2: it it, it has it's helped in terms of our um, retention and it's helped in terms of the quality of applicants and the numbers of applicants that we have. but the shortages that we have um, going into this school year are in these really really hard to fill areas special, special ed. education being the most significant of those. okay.
0: What has changed since the walkout of 2017? Can you point to anything and say, this has gotten better?
2: Well, I think our state leaders are paying attention to education. And um, I think the public made their voices heard loudly and clearly that education matters, teachers matter, and we want a strong public education system in our state. And um, so I think that, you know, last year's legislative session um, wasn't, it was, there was a Turn around from the cuts that we've made to education, but um, not as significant as an investment as we really need to reflect what Oklahomans um, were voicing during the teacher walkout. But it but it did turn the corner, and we are on the on the path of reinvesting instead of the path of cutting. So we're grateful to be there.
0: What's the next step then? Where where? Um, what's your next request of state lawmakers?
2: We have to we have to set. I think some. Longer term goals and have a bigger vision. It's so one of the things I really appreciate about the governor. You know, talking about that we want to be a, a top ten state. That he's saying, here's what we want. We want to be competitive regionally. We have these really specific things that we're aiming toward. So it's not just this you know, general sense of we need to invest more. I mean, that just makes everybody feel bad. It's not clear. It's a hard it's, goal. Yeah, it's a hard goal, and, and that's what we need. And and I would say that I would hope that our state leaders would say that we're going to, step number one is that we're going to be back at per pupil what we spent on our students in 2008 as a minimum and then start to reinvest from there.
0: You know, I've got to ask you about instrumental music. <laughs> Being the band geek that I am, you look around at the suburban high schools, and they all have award-winning instrumental music programs. Tulsa has has suffered in that area in some regard. Um, Is there money for fine arts right now? And is that money going up, going down?
2: Absolutely. And we have fine arts in all of our schools. I I think the difference is that when you have 4,000 kids in a high school instead of 400 kids in a high school then you know in terms of competitiveness it's just a whole different situation there's a benefit to having small schools though because when you are in a great big school and you're competing to be the the star in the play or the starting quarterback or first chair trumpet yeah absolutely then you then it's just a different situation and so we we I think people who are in our schools recognize the benefit of being in a smaller school, but we absolutely have music. And even in our smaller schools, we have some amazing programs. Our um, the band teacher at Webster, uh, for example, Penny is just she's one of the best I've ever seen. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah, okay. and we have great, great programs, great. You music know how programs. I feel
0: about that. Tell me about Tulsa Beyond at Webster.
2: Well, absolutely. So Tulsa Beyond is in four of our schools. It's McLean-Webster, Hale, and Tulsa Learning Academy. Okay. And this was a, a multi-year process to reimagine secondary learning completely. Is what we were talking about when we were talking about Hale just a minute ago. Yeah. And so what it, um, each of these design teams um, really just decided, we're going to start from scratch. We're not going to reconstruct from this Thinking about education that we've had for too long, but we're going to say to students, and uh, what what are they interested in, and what would engage them in school, and then we're also going to say to higher education and to the business world, what do what do you need, what is it that is missing, what is it that would be amazing if our students came to you with these set of skills, and then they designed around that. And um, I think they're they're all a little bit different, all of the designs that are that are launching. But I think there are a couple things that are consistent about them. One. One is that the learning is more personalized for students. And so instead of this old concept of like you sit in X class for this period of time because that's a semester and that's how long you're going to sit there, whether you don't need that much time or whether you need more. And the idea is instead if you can finish that content and go deeper and longer, go for it. If you need a little more time, it's not that you failed. It's just that well, you need more hang time. On on. How, on how does that project?
0: fit into the timetable of standardized testing?
2: Well, I mean, we have to have expectations for students. And so that we, our goal is to keep students on track. So we can't say, if you need more time, take all the time you need. We have to, instead you say, okay, if a student is struggling in an area, we're going to dive in and give more support. But if you think about the opposite case where we are actually holding kids back, that doesn't, Mm. that doesn't, it doesn't prevent them from doing well on their standardized tests. In fact, quite the opposite. We're holding them back when they're probably capable of doing actually more if they were able to continue instead of being confined in that class with that set of subjects.
0: Dr. Deborah Gist is our guest in studio. We're going to go to Owasso and check on things at the start of the new school year there. 1023 KRMG,
5: Tulsa's News and Talk, where we tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. In-Depth
0: Hour. Talking about back-to-school issues and taking your open mics. Hey, Dan, I'm a public school band director, currently unemployed ask all those superintendents if they could use one. Do me a favor. uh, Okay, We'll, we'll do that, but really probably not the best way to apply for a job or even get job leads. However, Dr. Debra Guest, you were telling me you do have some openings, it looks like, for instrumental or at least music education within the district.
2: Some some arts openings just recently. So okay. I don't know at this moment, but I would absolutely encourage anyone out there who's interested in working on our schools, whether it's as a teacher, a bus driver, a custodian anything the, to go to our website and and apply because we are definitely hiring
0: and there are also uh, efforts underway I know to find different pathways to teacher certification mm-hmm. for people who think well I can't do that because I don't have the proper level of education and the right certification
2: absolutely so we have um, everybody is I think familiar with emergency certification mm-hmm. and while there's definitely an there's an overall negative sense about that Um And it's understandable because it's a problem to have people coming in and they have no support or preparation whatsoever. On the other hand, there are benefits to having people who have different kinds of experiences and are career changers. The problem is that we have too many people who are coming from these non-traditional pathways and not enough support for them and not the resources to give them the support they need. Um, So what we did in Tulsa Public Schools is um, we have raised private money and gotten a grant and we have a program we've created called... Tulsa Teacher Corps, and it allows us to bring in those uh, non-traditional educators, but to give them the kinds of preparation and support they need to be able to be successful in the classroom.
4: Dr. Gist, you say that it's hard to attract and retain special ed teachers, yet TPS is not taking care of special ed teachers who have their 5% stipend taken away, so they're actually making less with the new, quote, pay raise.
0: Okay, we heard that open mic, and uh, both of us started scratching our heads. Is that true? Did you?
2: Absolutely not. We we do have a 5% stipend for our special education teachers. And in addition to that, we provide a $3,000 signing bonus for special education teachers. So if there's anyone out there with special education certification, um, we encourage them to come. There is a signing bonus and a stipend for our special education teachers. It's a very high-need role.
0: Up in Owasso, a whole lot changed over the summer. G Skylar Cooper spoke with the superintendent there, tells us what's new in Owasso.
1: There are three big changes in Owasso this new school year. Number one, a brand new school. The district's ninth elementary school, Morrow Elementary, is open for pre-K through fifth graders. It
7: has um, the first integrated safe shelter. The gym is actually a safe shelter, so we built that in with new construction.
1: Superintendent Dr. Amy Fitchner telling me Morrow Elementary is Owasso's first school physically located in Collinsville. An open house will be hosted in September with school tours led by 5th graders. The second big change is redistricting completed last spring. By building the ninth
7: elementary and redistricting what we're doing is we're creating ample space for growth. So there will be room in all 9 elementaries for future growth and that sets us apart. We really don't have to worry about space right now for our elementary children.
1: The redistricting means 1,700 students are attending different schools this year, but if they get lost, they can utilize the third big change and ask for help from one of the 11 new teachers hired for this school year. Those new positions
7: allow us to reorganize and have smaller class sizes. Some districts can't, can't do that because they don't have the space.
1: Dr. Fitchner tells me Owasso has not had the same budget challenges as other big districts, thanks to Owasso voters. Our community support
7: of our bond elections has allowed us to shift some things to bond funds that might need to be a burden on general funds. And so we can use those general funds on staff and things that we need in the classroom. It is not just a school district commitment, it's an entire community commitment.
1: Fitchner is beginning her second full year as superintendent. I asked her what she's learned so far. What
7: I know more definitively now than ever in my career is the value of people. And when I say that, I don't mean just any people. Developing people, investing in learning, being humble myself to say, There could be a better way to lead people than I'm doing. So I have to always be seeking better role models. I have to be seeking methods. I have to seek insight. If I want to ask children to learn in a classroom and I want to ask teachers to learn, I have to be doing that every day.
1: Skylar Cooper, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. I love that. Stay humble, crisp, and nimble. That's words to live
0: by right there. Either that or it's a law firm in Vermont, one of the two. (laughs)
6: Uh,
0: We're uh, in the studio with Dr. Deborah Gist, the Tulsa Public Schools, talking about the start of the new school year. And uh, one of the things we haven't touched on yet is this seal of biliteracy that a student can attain. I guess, what, just shy of 40 students got this seal of biliteracy. Last year, I'm assuming that means they can speak English and another language proficiently.
2: Right, and we know that in the world of business and in life, being able to speak more than one language is a benefit, and so we wanted to recognize that, um, both in students um, for whom uh, they have an, an, another native language, and, and so they speak both English and another language, and for students who are native English speakers but have learned another language in school because we have really strong language programs in Tulsa Public Schools. And so we have awarded the Seal of Biliteracy. We're one of the very first uh, districts to do that, and it's um, it's something we hope to continue and, and grow because we want to recognize our students' language skills, and we want to encourage it, and we want to uh, raise up the fact that this is something we do really really well in Tulsa.
0: On the other end of the age spectrum, you now have pre-K in every campus in the TPS.
2: We do. We've had universal pre-K, so every pre-K student could go to school. But what tended to happen for some families is that they would have to go to another school. So they'd have one child in an elementary school, and then they'd have to take their child to pre-K somewhere else, which just doesn't work for right. families. And so now we have pre-K in every one of our buildings, and we are moving to where we, we want um, Tulsans to know that school starts at four. School starts at four, just like we all have the concept now that kindergarten is the starting point. We want pre K to be the starting point for all of our students because it's such a great experience for children and it's incredibly valuable. The research is really clear about the importance of early childhood education.
0: Deborah, thanks for being here.
2: Thank you. Dr. Great Deborah Gist,
0: here. Superintendent of the Tulsa Public Schools.